Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Marlin's Corner. Uh, so excited for you all to be here. Today's episode is going to be all about some femme fatales. Uh, who runs the world? Girls. Uh, we're going to be focusing on two films that are uh, really focused around a large female cast. Um, those two films are, of course, Black Widow and Gunpowder Milkshake. Now, Black Widow, of course, is the Marvel film that uh, had a bit of trouble landing uh, into movies, direct to streaming services. It was a very long haul before they finally committed to a date. And we have it. And it's been out and people have watched it. Um, and out the gate, folks, it had a budget of around $200 million. And currently the gross worldwide um, revenue is sitting at 262 mil. So they have a 62 million surplus of cash, which is uh, a little disappointing uh, for a Marvel property, especially one that is, has a huge tie-in to uh, their, their next phase. So it was a bit disappointing to see it kind of fall. Um, but who knows? Maybe it'll come back. I know there are currently so many articles where everyone's mad at Disney Plus for the way they're releasing their films, almost similarly to the way HBO Max is, is putting up their films. So we'll see what happens in the future when it comes to uh, Disney releasing uh, their future Marvel properties. We might see a, tr a transition just to theater-based films, but Hey, we'll see what happens. Uh, the director of this film is Kate Shortland. Um, I don't know a lot of her movies. Um, they uh, definitely are, are things I've heard of, but I'm sure they're great. Can't think off the top of my head. But we do have in this film um, some writers who have some Marvel tie-ins. Um, so, for instance, we have... Eric Pearson, who worked on Thor Ragnarok. Uh, he worked also on Agent Carter and a few other Marvel shows and movies. And he also worked uh, as, a, as a, a writer for Godzilla v. Kong. Uh, joining him, we also have Jack Schaffer, who was a WandaVision head writer. So again, there are a lot of Marvel tie-ins. And lastly, we have Ned Benson, who um, was around the writing for uh, the, the show, The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. He did all three of those. So that's kind of the team we got here thus far. And they're a team that, you know, I believe definitely, you know, brought brought their best feet forward for this film with the best intentions in mind. Uh, the description of this film is that Natasha Romanoff confronts uh, the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy ties uh, to her past and darkness arises and such and such. Uh, so you kind of get... Not a backstory, but you get a lot of, uh, well, actually, you yeah, you get a few backstories here and there, a couple of flashbacks about uh, who Natasha is, where she comes from, and, you know, why she is the way she is a little bit. But to be fully transparent with y'all, and we'll have spoilers going forward, this film was all about Florence Pugh and David Harbour. Like, the characters they played, Florence Pugh played Yelena, and David Harbour played Red Guardian. The film is titled Black Widow. Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, no, Yelena and Red Guardian are the stars of this movie. By far and away, they are the stars of this film. Most of the quotes you will quote from this movie will 
most likely come from Yelena and or uh, David Harbour. Like there's a whole scene where Yelena has this the most adorable scene about her little vest and how it has so many pockets. And then they're just she, and she also added her own uh, interpretation to the pockets and added more. It was just it's it's the cutest dialogue. And quite honestly, anyone could have been in that scene with her because she was the primary focus. And I feel like this film, yes, was setting up the new Black Widow, but I think it also did it in such a way that it was almost a detriment to Scarlett Joe being in this movie because you kind of forget, oh yeah, this is her film, right? Hey. I'm sorry, Scar Joe. You did a great job. You you walked so Yelena could run. So we appreciate you setting her up for this moving forward. Um, a big pro also is they got Taskmaster in here. Taskmaster is fantastic. Um, he can mimic any and all movements, any and all combat. And I love how they were just having him take on fighting stances from the Black Panther to uh, how Black Widow fights to how uh, Hawkeye fights. Just really showcasing the, the the range of the powers and capabilities he has. And it's just an awesome character to bring into the Marvel Universe. So big pro to that. Um, some things I didn't think were great about this film. Again, this film is supposed to be about Black Widow, uh, and we just came away with it with just more love for the supporting characters and more appreciation for them than appreciation and love for, for for Black Widow. You know, again, this was a film about her, but we didn't really get a lot uh, about her character. I think the biggest drop for me, or one of the biggest drops for me, was that they didn't fully give us more about one of the more darker things she's done. In this film, they discuss the fact that in her uh, quest to get rid of Dracoff and in the Red Room, she killed an innocent child. It's a wild scene to drop Disney to just include Stone Cold Murder. I was definitely surprised that they even were going to include this at all, but they go ahead and show you a flashback of Natasha sitting in a car and visibly seeing that there is a young girl in this office uh, who happens to be the daughter of Dracoff, who's just in there in her school outfit, and she's like, yeah, he's in there. Blow it up. And she gives the go-ahead, and the building is destroyed. I think you could have had a really amazing conversation about, you know, collateral damage as Natasha called this young child she called her collateral damage and we and like they dance around this whole aspect of like oh we're from the red room and we're murderers but this could have been a really this could have been, this could have been something that could have been like dropped earlier we could have been seeing maybe flashbacks of this explosion or just little seeds of this throughout Natasha's tenure in the MCU but we never got that and so if, I mean we get this whole backstory about them you know being from the Red Room and being murderers and how they're not heroes and we could have had a really interesting just kind of introspective look uh, into this act that Natasha did uh, and how it just affected her and instead we kind of move on from it and it's like I didn't like that and of course I realized why they wanted to move on from it because surprise surprise this young child that was murdered happens to be Antonia because of course she's alive and Antonia's taskmaster and like oh great you know another Marvel hero creating their villain and here she happens to be this full grown child is now taskmaster and they give taskmaster a very similar treatment to uh, Ryan Reynolds being Deadpool and the Wolverine origins film where taskmaster has no lines of dialogue um doesn't really have any say-so in what 
she does. She's controlled. And it's basically we just have a puppet taskmaster, which is super disappointing, especially given the fact that, hey, taskmaster's origin story is right there. You're a young child. And someone tries to murder you and they put you through excruciating pain and put you through this really terrible life of being physically scarred, of having these this like this trauma at an early age. That's an origin story. You could have Antonia as Taskmaster to be like, great, my goal right now is to find the woman or the people that tried to murder me. We could have gotten a chance to see this Taskmaster be developed and honed as this revenge-fueled character. Uh, and instead, we just get a character who just has no agency at all and is only used once. And that's what I'm so disappointed by is, is that in this film, we get the interpretation that great Taskmaster's arc is done. Antonia's free from the mind control. Natasha says, oh, I'm sorry that I tried to murder you. And it's like, cool, water under the bridge. Like, the blood's off of her hands now because no one actually died. Instead, we could have had a really awesome character that's like, absolutely not. I don't accept your apology. You're a murderer, and I'm going to get my revenge on you. We could have had a, a, a rivalry that could have been about her and her family, and it could have tied into following films, which was just a dropping of a really amazing character and that's really disappointing. The ending also I think needed a bigger needed an needed an additional edit. I think Yelena being described as wanting to be a hero and then given the opportunity to be a hero and then not taking it to work for another criminal organization is is just bad writing. Like they gave Yelena the option of like hey Here's this flash drive where all these women are at. You can go and save them. And yet we find out that Yelena's working for Madame Hydra. Now, I don't know what the extent of her work is, but it sounds like she's back into doing wet work again, which is, of course, mercenary work. And it seemed like her whole thing was, I'm going to go and find these girls for you. Like, I'm going to do that. Like th- That could have been her hero origin of, like, I'm going to go find these women and free them. That could have been it. That could have been her hero's origin of redeeming herself and being a better person. We could have seen that. And instead... Of having Madame Hydra talk to Yelena at the gravesite, Natasha, we could instead have Madame Hydra talking to Taskmaster, who's like upset that Natasha is dead and she didn't get a chance to do it herself. And we can say, hey, listen, uh, Antonio, I'm so sorry that, you know, you didn't get to get rid of, uh, of Nat. But guess what? She was only the person that did the call. There was a person who actually pulled the trigger. And then we could have gotten Taskmaster after Clint. Instead of Yelena after Clint, we could have gotten Taskmaster, who's like, great, I'm going to go bow arrow, archery versus archery. We could have had that going for us in the Hawkeye special. We didn't need to bring Yelena into this because, again, in this movie, Nat went overboard describing how great Clint was and how their family and all these things. You would think someone as as savvy uh, as Yelena would be like, cool, this doesn't sound right. Like, you're saying this person's responsible for killing my sister. I'm not sure if I believe that. She fully told me that he helped her defect and they've been together for this whole time and she calls him family. I don't think that 
Nat's going to pick a bad person or bad judgment of character now that she's escaped the Red Room. Like, I, that would have been a chance to be like, SBS. And we could have instead put Taskmaster in there, who is far more easily manipulated if you use the revenge angle, which is what we could have done for our tie-in to uh, the Hawkeye show. But we didn't get that. And I think, honestly, a lot of folks found this movie to be a little bit lackluster because there were just a lot of spots they could have had improvement and they just didn't really stick to it. So, um, it kind of fell flat. For me, I'd give it a five, maybe a six, because I really liked Florence Pugh and David Harbour. But yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a, it was a mid Marvel film. It was a mid Marvel film. wasn't great. wasn't terrible. It just exists. So. There you go. Next up, I'm going to talk about uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Um, Gunpowder Milkshake comes uh, at you with a uh, 30 mil budget. Uh, currently, it's sitting at a gross worldwide uh, revenue of 345k. Hopefully, that changes because that's a uh, that's a lot of money that they need to make back to justify making this film. So we'll see. Uh, the director of this is. Um, Navot Papashado, he did films like Big Bad Wolves. He's also working on a property called Once Upon a Time in Palestine. He's partnered with uh, Ehud Lafsky, and he's also working on Once Upon a Time in Palestine. So you have these two who are uh, a writing, directing uh, crew here. And honestly, I didn't really know anything about the director or the writer, but the cast is where I was immediately pulled into. We have Karen Gillian as Sam. We have Lena Headey as Scarlet. We have Carla Gugiano as one of the librarians. We have Angela Bassett in here, and she's playing a character named Annie Mae. And if you've seen her in Tina Turner, that's a full-on callback. We also have Michelle Yao, and we have Paul Giamatti. So, yeah, this film was really pulling in a ton of star power, and that was... um, Honestly, why I checked it out. Uh, Just to give you a description of this film, it's three generations of women fight back against those who could take everything from them. Now, pros are the cast. The cast alone is, I think, is pros all around. Um, The set design absolutely beautiful. Uh, They really go above and beyond with just picking colors that accentuate the scenes. Um, They're really, this is a a, a time, I couldn't really figure out what time era was going on because they were always meeting in a diner and the diner was popping. But it really looks really beautiful. It just, the fight scenes, really good fighting choreography. It definitely, it definitely is going to give you John Wick-esque vibes of just like gun-fu fighting and changing ammunition, agile fighting and stabbing and running and like shooting and going so it definitely gives you very much uh john wick vibes and it continues to give you those vibes because they owe to meet and a diner and in the diner no one can have any guns so it's very much like the continental it also has an, uh, an organization called the firm that has very strict rules about doing things so again it's very much john wick-esque uh it's also the librarians and just like in john wick you go there you you, you ask for a book 
quote unquote book and they give you a book and it has a gun inside of it. The librarians are all women uh, and all the books they give you happen to be uh, either by a uh, female writer or just uh, books in general that have gold bricks in them or knives in them or just basically any book for any occasion and you got it going on for you. Uh, it was really, it was a fun movie. It was really entertaining. I just really enjoyed just the, the the cast. The cast was fun. They were really goofy at times or really serious at other times. And I think they kind of draw you in. I think the the one con or one of the cons I have about this film happened to be around, I think, character motivation. In this film, Karen Gillian as Sam uh, happens to kill this, this man. She's um, the firm uh, basically sends Karen basically sends Karen Gillian out there to do a mission. And that mission is to retrieve some money and hurt somebody who stole money from the firm. So she goes there to get this money and she ends up, you know, murdering the uh, the the gentleman who took the money, unfortunately. And we come to find out that he has a daughter that is uh, being kidnapped. So he took the money because his daughter had been taken from him. And now you have Karen Gillian having to protect uh, this child uh, who's played by, of course, Chloe Coleman. And it's this really weird situation where Karen Gillian tells the girl that I murdered your dad. And the girl's reaction isn't what I think a normal reaction would be. Like if someone murdered your dad, listener, you would rightfully be upset and or angry at that person. Uh, and instead, this 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 little girl is, like, fine with it, like, not bothered by the fact that her father was just murdered by this woman who is now taking care of her. Uh, I mean, the film tries to address it at the very end where, like, Karen Gillian's character has a dream about the little girl, like, murdering her. But it's just a weird thing of, like, there's no way this child should be A-OK with, like, you murdered my dad. That's OK. We're friends now. <laughs> And it's like, I don't think that that's how that would work. I don't think you could be friends with someone who just murdered your dad. I mean, I mean, the movie also tries to do this thing where it's like the little girl is upset that he's always late. So it's kind of like, cool, if you're a dad that doesn't show your child attention and you get murdered, your kid's not going to care. And it's just this really weird message. And I didn't really understand it. And I was like, this is not, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> all in all, it's just it's it's a wild film, and I, again, it's it's so similar to John Wick that there are times where I have to stop and just think to myself, like, are any of these writers attached to John Wick? And they're not, which was the most confusing part. Because it's like it's like someone just took John Wick and just added a lot more women lead characters to it. And it's just it's such a weird sensation of a film. Get, definitely give it a watch. It's definitely a very entertaining film, but you can just see where they borrowed a lot uh, from the from the John Wick universe and applied it to this film. And viewer, let me know if you if I'm if, if I'm tripping, let me know because I would love to hear from y'all if that's what's going on. Well, folks, that's just uh, a review of some of the films I reviewed. Uh, definitely give a shout out to some folks who sent me some uh, messages about Space Jam. Um, no, I did not like it. Uh, tune in to uh, Geek Force. We'll probably have a, uh, some time to talk about that uh, because that film was was not great. It was more so of a... It was a bigger commercial than the first film, which is saying something.
something. Because in the first film, there was a, there was a full line of dialogue that was all uh, products. But in this film, I feel like they I feel like they took it as a challenge. Like, oh great, the first film with Michael Jordan was a big commercial. We gotta go three times that, and that's what you get with Space Jam Two: New Legacy. But like I said, tune into Geek Force. We'll probably get into more of that. Uh, but until next time, viewer, thank you so much for tuning in, and we we'll hope to see you next time in the corner. Bye. This episode of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.